Grace is a gift from God. And to illustrate this, I have this with me this week. This is Little Scotty Pippen. Little Scotty Pippen was a gift for my wife several years ago. Um, and it was meaningful for me. Scotty Pippen's my favorite basketball player that's ever played. I'm a big Chicago Bulls fan. And so when I got this, it's been a meaningful gift in my life, and I've kept it with me. I've kept it uh, in different places uh, since I got it. So let's say I offered this gift to another Bulls fan. And this other Bulls fan got it, they'd be like, man, this is great. This is a wonderful gift. Thank you so much. I really like it. But if I offered it to a Warriors fan or a Pacers fan or a Hornets fan, they may not find the value in this gift of Scottie Pippen. Let's say I go into a room of 500 people and I just offer up this gift of little Scottie Pippen to all these people. Some of them might be really excited to get it. Some of them might decline it. Some of them really might uh, be appreciative of it. The grace of God is the same way. The grace of God is a gift, according to what Ephesians 2.8.9 says, and also Romans 5.15. Here's Ephesians 2.8.9. For by grace we've been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 5.15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. If grace is a gift, then we have some choices here, right? We have two main choices. When anybody gives you a gift, what are your two choices? You can either take it or you can leave it and not accept it. And that's the same choice that we have. And so we can either accept that gift or we can refuse it. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Everyone's going to have an opportunity to receive this gift of salvation. And when that, that opportunity comes, we have a choice. We can either take it or not take it. And that's the choice that we have with the, with the grace of God. Grace is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.9 says it's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Isaiah 64.6 says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. If that's our, how God views our best things, there's no way that we can possibly work our way to heaven. And that's the whole point. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your actions or make you feel like giving up. But the whole point is that we could not do it on our own. Jesus had to come and do the work. Jesus had to come and live the life that we couldn't live so that now our responsibility is to accept him as Lord and Savior so that we can have eternal life with Christ one day. And that's the whole point. That's Romans 3.23. It says, For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. We all are in need of a Savior. God sent his son Jesus to live his life for you and I and for anyone that's ever existed so that we could be saved. That's what John 3.16 3, really says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible, and we've diminished it somehow uh, because we've heard it so often. We're like, oh, yeah, God saved the world. No, God sent his son, his beloved son, to die for us so that we could have eternal life with him forever. He wants us. That's his ultimate goal for us. God loved you. He loved me. He loved everyone so much that he's willing to send his own son to die for us so that we could have eternal life with him. And notice that verse does not say whoever, whoever was able to prove himself worthy to have everlasting life or something similar. It's a gift. And our responsibility is to either accept that gift or not accept that gift. If we accept it, we're going to have eternal life with Christ and we're going to live forever in heaven one day. If we reject it, we're going to hell. That's the reality of it. We all have a problem with pride. 
We all want that pride that we were able to accomplish something. And being a Christian is the complete opposite of that. Proverbs 3.34 says, Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. This gets echoed again and quoted in James 4.6, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And it's also quoted again in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It's clear that God not only resists the proud, but he also gives grace to the humble. And we need to put our pride to the side and receive the gift that God has given us. We read Romans 5.15 earlier in the week, but keep going in verses 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin and judgment came into the world and made a sin problem for humanity. And so when Jesus died on a cross and he rose again, this resulted in justification. He solved that sin problem. He was our perfect sacrifice. Hebrews says that by one offering forever, he has sanctified us. And so that's Hebrews 10, 14. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through, and this is verse 2, Through whom we also have access by faith into his grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Because we are justified by our faith in Christ, we have peace with God. We don't have to worry about if we're going to be lost again. Once we have that, that secure salvation and by the grace of God, we're able to know where our final destination is. Our final destination is going to be heaven. We know who we belong to. We belong to Christ. And because of that, all the work that we see in the fruits of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all that stuff flows from our security in Christ. And there's no longer anything separating us from our Father. Jesus gave us access by faith to the Father, and that's because of grace. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. When we receive the gift of grace and of righteousness, we will reign in life. We're going to be able to overcome life. Who wants to reign in life? I do. Who wants to look at situations we face daily and say, that's not a problem. God's got this. He's got it taken care of. I know I do. And so through grace, we stop being the slaves of sin. But instead, we become slaves of righteousness. Romans 6.18 says, And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Romans 6.22 says, But now having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end everlasting life. We're slaves to righteousness, and we're slaves to God. We've been set free from sin. And so, does that mean we're never going to sin again? Of course not. We're not perfect. The point is, when Jesus looks down on us, after we come to know Christ, Christ's righteousness covers us. It covers those sins up. So when God is looking down on us, he is seeing Christ's righteousness, not our sins. Are those sins still there? Yes. But they've already been forgiven. They've already been taken care of. That's why it's called grace. And so we're never going to be 100% perfect until we go to heaven one day. But we're slaves to righteousness and we're slaves from God. We've been set free from sin. And so we're going to mess up and we're going to, we're going to have those times where we have sin in our lives. But what it means is sin will not have control over you anymore. Remember 1 John 4, 4? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When you accept Jesus to come into your heart, God comes to live inside. And so he explains that in John 15. Do you believe that Jesus is greater than anything you'll ever face? Do you think when... when these trials and tribulations come that Jesus is going to cower over in the corner just all scared to death of the things that are coming at you? No, he's not going to. 
It's not because we're such miraculous spiritual beings that Jesus can do this, though. It's because Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it's he is, his reign is never going to end, and he is greater than anything that we'll ever face. And it's by his strength and his strength alone that we're going to be able to accomplish these things. We spend so much time and effort trying to diminish our Lord. I think we don't really believe that God is omnipotent. We don't believe he's always with us and he'll never forsake us. Yeah, I always found it funny when people would say, I'm sorry, I cussed in your church, or oh, I cussed in your, I said a cuss word in church when I played basketball in church leagues and things. But do people not realize that God's right there with you? He saw the finger you put up to that lady in traffic. He saw the lie you told your family member. He saw uh, the, the dishonest things you might be doing at your job. God's always with us. He always sees this stuff. It's not just inside the church building. And so I wonder how different our lives would be if we really believed that God was powerful and that God was always with us. I wonder how much that would change the way we act. He tells us in Hebrews 13.5 that he will never leave us or forsake us. He says in Deuteronomy 31.6, he says he's the one who goes with you. In Joshua 1.5, he says that no man will be able to stand with you all the days of your life, but I will be with you. And what a difference that would make in our lives if we truly believed this and we lived with the boldness that God is always with us. I wonder what we could accomplish if we just trusted him and believed he was greater than anything this world could throw at us. Earlier this week, we... Um, we read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and we talked about how this all starts. It starts by accepting the gift of grace from God. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, if you, if you don't remember from earlier, it says, by for, grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. But go on and read verse 10. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created you and I for a purpose to do his good works and to walk in them. He wants us to do things for him. He wants us to serve his purpose. Are you fulfilling God's purpose in your life? We get so caught up in whether or not we're good enough to be saved. I've already talked about this week about how salvation is a gift from God and our responsibility is to accept it. And so Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My question to you today though is, will you surrender to him? Will you surrender your life to him? Not just to be saved, but to let him actually lead your life. We have this mindset that when we come to Jesus and we, we, he becomes our Lord and our Savior over our life, now we have to change ourselves. We have to go and modify our behavior and change ourselves um, because we have, now we have to be like, well, I can't cuss. I can't do this. I can't watch this show. I can't do that. And then we try to do it in our own effort, and all of a sudden we burn out. Well, what does 2 Corinthians 5.17 say? It says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The New Living Translation says the old life is gone and a new life has begun. The old life is dead and gone and it's not coming back. Why isn't it coming back? It's not because Jesus came in and ripped the sin out of your life and all of a sudden now you're this perfect spiritual being. No, Jesus came to live inside of you. And now when you do these things that you shouldn't be doing, the Holy Spirit is inside you saying you shouldn't be doing that. You don't need to be doing that. And the Holy Spirit makes you that new person. Do you want that new life to begin? My hope and my prayer is that you would, you would begin it today. If you've not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would. And if you want to, DM me, message me, and I'd be happy to talk to you about some of this stuff on an individual basis.